Hi, kids. Space Ghost here. You are barking a happy tune with my new best friends on The Bite. How's it going, everybody? That's right. It's my voice, the great Aiden Hall, coming to you live. Sadly, my usual crew isn't here, but that's just fine, because you didn't come for me. No, you came for the name. Acclaimed for his work on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, you've heard him on all kinds of different channels, such as ABC's The Chew, FX's The League. You've even heard him on Robot Chicken now and again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I am joined by a voice acting legend. For over 20 years, he has graced the radio, TV, video game, what have you, waves, with all of his wonderful ways. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. George Lowe. Mr. Lowe, how are you today? Oh, you're, you're just a big sack of sugar. Thank you for that <laughs> lovely introduction, Aiden. Well, I did say sugar. That fantastic intro, gee whiz, wait until your audience are all collaterally let down by the actual experience of the interview. But thanks thanks for the enormous build-up. Well, of course. You have to build it up so before the hype. It's just like a boil, and then everything just lets loose, and you realize it's not everything you thought it would be. <laughs> So let's just jump on in. You've been in the industry for over 20 years now. What got you started no, in 42. 42? Believe it or not. Yeah, 42. Oh, wow. I started... I know. I started in 74. Can you believe it? Oh, wow. I, I will yeah. never trust Wikipedia again. No, what does Wikipedia know anyway? You know, it's <laughs> run by those witches. That that Wiccan thing? That's what they... It's oh. actually Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, the it's, Wiki it's Witches. All, it's the, yeah, it's the little witch, the witch thing. <laughs> Okay, and so it's about empowerment. It's not. It's not evil. It's about empowerment. <laughs> so forty-two years, which is way more impressive than twenty. What got yeah, you into you, it? You would think I'd be making a living. <laughs> my name should be on a building somewhere. Like you know what? You guys ought to just in my name, since I can't afford what Mister Letterman left. You ought to just have like the the George Lowe Memorial Voice over closet or something or storage facility like the, the room they put the babo and the new mops in just put george george lowe center or something on that you know i think <laughs> you're onto something because we're in this podcast I, lounge and the lounge doesn't have a name so it might as well just be the george lowe lounge oh i like that life from the george lowe lounge at ball state man right. hey how about that <laughs> And I didn't have to give millions of dollars away, which I don't have. Hey, there you go. All the more reason. Yeah, there you go. See, the Cartoon <laughs> Network way is they keep the money. There's a system. They keep the money. <laughs> <laughs> the savings get passed on to me. <laughs> Read this for $1,000? Yeah, yes, I will. I could sit there every day that they would hand me money and go, George Lowe is a big fat idiot. Where's my money? I'll read anything. Just pay me. <laughs> So what got you into the industry? What got you decided that you wanted to do voice acting work? It's funny. Uh, I started off just thinking, oh, radio's cool. That's fun. You know, it's indoors. Uh, generally speaking, you don't have to interact with the public. <laughs> you're, you're more or less safe. You can be left alone. You know, if you feel like drinking a quart of Yoo-Hoo and passing gas, generally you're not upsetting anybody. <laughs> Unless, of course, the news girl comes in. But, but that's a terrible start for this question, isn't it? I I, uh, I had a bunch of radio uh, 
listening experience when I was a kid, and I thought, oh, that's got to be the coolest thing. And I was not the healthiest kid, so I had to pick things that I thought I would be good at, you know, because longshoremen, that wasn't going to happen. But uh, when I was 13 and my voice came crashing in, uh, some of my friends in high school had shoved me into a local radio station. I think I was like uh, a freshman, because I got out when I was 16. I think I was 16, I was done. Anyways, you wouldn't have known I was ahead of anything as far as my grades were concerned. I can promise you that. (laughs) But but some of my friends stuffed me in the station in Clearwater, Florida, and it was a nicer time back then. Some of the older guys were sitting there laughing. They thought it was just great. Oh, what are you up to, young fellow? You know, I'm here to apply for work. And one of them took me in a newsroom, handed me wire copy. Yes, Aiden, I go back to wire copy. Oh, wow. That's teletype. Yeah, teletypes are out there on the Internet somewhere. That's how we used to get the news. And um, these guys were nice enough. They put a tape on, handed me wire copies, and here you go, do your audition, son. And I filled out, uh, filled out an application, and I left. Well, who knew that when I turned 15, it would have given me the stones to go in to a station not far from Clearwater, walk in, and the room was just blue with smoke. Everybody chain-smoked then. I never did. Uh, You know, it was a horrible, filthy habit. I I had no interest in it, never did. But, you know, it's amazing I didn't die from secondhand smoke just walking (laughs) in. And I walked in, and they're like, well, what can we do for you, young fella? And I said, your Friday night guy sucks. And the room just erupted in laughter. They, oh, why don't we give this kid a tryout and see what he can do? And I ended up working there for like five years. So where a lot of my uh, contemporaries would have gotten frustrated and said, oh, that's it, I'm, I'm going to stake in your pants and work there. Stake in your pants, you get insurance. And, you know, I never went and worked at stake in your pants. I just kept doing broadcast. I was, I was too goofy to go and, and do anything else. Just stayed with it. And one led to another, college radio, college TV, PM Magazine, left PM Magazine, went to news, hated news, went back to PM Magazine, <laughs> local radio, big radio. Uh, when I got to Atlanta, they heard me doing stuff on the morning show in Atlanta, and I ended up ultimately working with Ted Turner's guys, who uh, to this day were all big buddies, and I occasionally hear from them when they have an extra $40. <laughs> We we only have $40. Really? I'm not lying. Speaking of the Turner, you know, you started on Space Ghost Coast to Coast back in 94. What made that? It lasted for like 10 years. What? Oh, yeah. And we were, I was actually in there in 93. We had, we had a few months of pre-production and I got to tell you, the building then was just a ghost town. There was nobody there. It was easy enough. The lack of security was such that one time somebody came up and said, oh, you'll never believe what happened. Turner had apparently bought everybody like a new laptop, and some goofball went in one night and took like 30 laptops. Oh, wow. And left. Yeah. And and that was their retirement plan. And that man was Mike Lasso. That's <laughs> <laughs> how he funded his retirement was off the stolen laptops. That'd be something, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be funny. Love that. <laughs> No, no, if it weren't for Mike, uh, knowing what a self-taught art nut that I was, you know, we used to kind of talk in the hallways about that. And uh, he he got to me because enough people kept saying, have you, have you ever met George Lowe? Have you read George Lowe? 
we've been doing stuff for TBS and TNT and of all things, Turner Latin America. And I don't, I barely speak English, much less Portuguese or Spanish, but <laughs> they have, when you travel and you get Turner in other countries, they have English carriers. So, you know, you've got one channel where it'll be in Portuguese and then you have another channel where like the American kids can watch. I was, I was that guy. So it's, yeah, it's just been such a weird mixed bag and on and on it goes, you know, and I still can't retire, Aiden. <laughs> Buy pictures. Tell your friends at the school to, to have pity on me because even even though on George Lowe Official, which is my Facebook page, people are like, eh, if you can afford a Mercedes, you can afford to get it fixed when somebody lets your shopping cart hit your car. And I'm like, no, I can't. It's one of those things that guys I grew up with are like, well, well here, you can, you can drive it for this and, and just every now and then do a commercial. And I'm like, okay. Except for the commercial part, which they've never done. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be fooled. George Lowe official on Facebook. And, and then if you get the urge and you go, oh, well, he's fun and enjoyable and a pleasant person, then go to Low Country, just like it sounds, L-O-W-E country.com and, and just grab copious amounts of autograph photos they, because you know you you think that it's not doing anything everybody on television must be rich uh-uh you guys are keeping mom and me from eating the dog <laughs> well we'll definitely try and promote that as much as we can i mean yeah there have been times i look at the dog and it's like a tex avery cartoon you know where your eyes kind of bug out and you start getting uh, all that saliva pouring out of the corner of your mouth, and the oh, yeah. dog actually morphs, morphs <laughs> into like a rib roast. Your tongue hangs down about six feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you know, and then you come to your senses, and it's like, no, 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 that's my best friend. I can't do that. <laughs> well, Then Mom and I are back to eating lead paint chips. Oh, a, a healthier choice. Isn't that terrible for, like, one of your favorite all-time voice people to, to have a sucky existence like that? It is. I mean, and that's something that's really important is that's why we started doing this, is to draw attention to the great voice actors that brought us all these classic characters, when, when these recognizable get, voices. See, the next, the next time you have a big confab in the George Lowe Lounge at Ball State, make, <laughs> make sure that, like, those who are going on to broadcast law degrees and are going to become agents, just tell them to keep me in mind. Oh, God, now they're showing the loose skin guy on Inside Edition. This, this is the most disgusting show. I don't know how this is legal. Feel free to use this if you want. Inside Edition is showing a guy actually feeling him up because the man has breasts. He was like 900 pounds, and he got down to like 180, and he did great. But now they, now they have gone in, and they've had to carve the fat bastard up. <laughs> He's got like 9,000 miles of loose they had to go in and carve. The, forget. Can I say that on on a podcast? Yeah, I'll tell you why not. Carve, I'm sorry as hell. They, they they went in and now he looks great, but they had to take off. My God, you could have you could you guys could have like recovered the parking lot there with this guy's loose skin that they were. Oh, that is an yeah. image. That is why you're the voice yeah, actor. Yeah, I'm not. Oh man, yeah. We'll see. That was just disgusting. But then they show the guy. It's not bad enough. The guy is bouncing it all around for you. They show the doctor going here. Bend over, Herb. And these <laughs> things are swinging like a couple of papayas. It's just <laughs> awful. I'm sorry I shared that with you. You're fine. I, I can honestly say it's the first time it's ever happened on an interview. 
it's kind of it's kind of the first time anybody who ever interviewed interviewed with you said carve the fat bastard up on on the air. <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> oh, but, man, I'm so sorry. You're fine. So space. You know, Lazo Lazo took all this crap years ago. That's what made space work. He had thought that he'd had the engineers follow me around, going, "Well, he kind of said something funny at uh, 21 minutes and 16 frames." And and everybody going, yeah, yeah, use that. And he busted a guy one day. I, I heard it. I was taking a break. And when I turned the corner to go to the snack machine, the last thing I heard Mike tell an engineer was, you ever stop tape on him again and you're fired. <laughs> so good or bad, they used it all. So you were really, you were Space Ghost. I mean, they were hunting you oh, down yeah. for lines because you were the persona. They didn't make it for you. No, they, I mean, they wrote great episodes we had tremendously talented writers my favorite of which matt harrigan matt went on to actually write for david letterman oh wow um, matt if yeah if you have letterman and i'm sure you have letterman connoisseurs there the episode where bob borden the kid from the mailroom went uh -huh. and ate a burrito when he ate a burrito in each state it's four corners <laughs> bob where are you now i'm in kansas dave or you know whatever the four intersecting states are I'm, I was never a good student, so I, for all I know, it's it's Idaho and Illinois. For all I know, they connect. But but they sent Bob, and that was my friend Matt's bit, having Bob, the mailroom kid, eat a burrito in each state. And each time it was a fresh burrito. It was not the same one. Each time they would launch into it with a fresh burrito. So they had to that buy 50 burritos. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was just great. That sounds like and, it. Uh, you know, we had terrific writers, really funny guys, but the thing that was so fun about it, they, you know, they would use the outtakes. Adam West kept holding the book up, and I was like, okay, see you at the auto show. And somebody said, who marked that? Marked that. <laughs> and, you know, with uh, Branford Marsalis, we ran out of tape once. He was in New York. I was in Atlanta. We started yakking. And he's like, what do you listen to? And I said, well, I love jazz. Well, you know, you don't say you love jazz to our Marsalis brother unless you're ready to bring it. And he was like, oh, come on, Space Ghost. What do you listen to? He said, you don't know no jazz. That's literally what he said to me. You don't know no jazz. <laughs> and I said, oh, yes, I do. And I could not have sounded like the dumber, the dumber white guy trying to be the hip jazz musician when I said it. But he's like, what do you like? I said, Miles Davis. And he's like, man, what Miles Davis do you listen to? And I said, Serpent's Tooth. And he's like, oh, man, Space Ghost, you don't know no Serpent's Tooth. <laughs> and I said, count it off. And so, I mean, there's nothing more horrific than one of the Marsalis brothers counting you off. And it's literally like, one, two, one, two, three, four. And I launched into it. Well, this, the front part of the thing I was doing correctly. He's like, Space Ghost, you know the serpents too. Well, by that point, everybody in New York screaming, wait, wait, we got no tape. Oh, no. Only time, no, that was the only time they ever asked me to fake it and do a chunk again. Because it was just so damn funny. And luckily for us, the second time, it was even dumber and even funnier. So that was one time. Oh, did Abe Vigoda die, Mom? It looks like Abe Vigoda died. Oh. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. Abe Vigoda died in 1983. <laughs> it's just been gas still walking around. No, he's 94 years old. God bless him. Oh, wow. I, I hate finding these things. Yeah, Tessio just died. You have to mute it. We're still on the air. 
I'm sorry. I've been no help to you. You're fine. He was 94, and God bless, God bless Tessio. Can you help me out, Mike? I love what Duval looked at him. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. What, what was his first name? Tessio. Oh, I don't I'm sorry, remember. Sorry, Sal. Sal. Yep. No, I just did. Sal. Salvatore. I'm sorry, Sal. They take, there he is. There, they're showing the scene. Taking Tessio for a ride. Can you help me out, Mike? Oh, fantastic. Anyway, sorry. I digress fine? again. <laughs> Market Space Ghost not funny at 17 minutes and 43 seconds. <laughs> Nine frames. Space Ghost boring as hell. Putting mom to sleep. So, you know. Mom you... and Abe Vigoda are actually, they dated in school. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. You you were way too old for him at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's a GTO. Mom's actually 114. I really? No. Oh. No. Okay. That'd be something though, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be it... Even, they couldn't ship the jam to the house. <laughs> they, they couldn't get enough smuckers on the truck. Um, so you did Space Ghost for what? a very long time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I'll shut up. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Tell me again. So you did Space Ghost for so long. <laughs> what was the one thing that made it just so special to you? Well, we, we had an immense amount of fun. But one of my personal favorites, you know, I'm a big art nut. And if oh, you yeah. go to YouTube, there's another place where, you know, you can actually go and see part of the collection. Mostly what they're showing on YouTube, my friends at Fox in Tampa did a piece about a large contingent of my self-taught art collection, but there are other areas. And one of the best things was when we had Michael Stipe on, you know, they're like warning everybody, don't ask him about Sony, don't ask him about all the money. I think he had just signed for like 80 or 90 million with Sony to do Monster, which oh, wow. they're probably still playing on your campus. It's a great album. It's just a killer album. And everyone's like, oh, don't get personal with him and don't try to follow him around and don't ask for an autograph. And the funniest thing of all is the guy could not have been more hip, more charming, more convivial, any more lovely than he had been. And at the end of the interview, he said to me and the production lady, he said, well, why don't we go and sit and I'll show you some of my photos. He's a great photographer, but I had no idea how great he gave me this great shot of a guy holding a pack of cheese crackers. They're riding in a car. The guy's holding a pack of like Lance toast cheese crackers. And he's like, this is right up your alley. Well, the production girl went crazy because he handed her an absolutely beautiful photo of a little girl asleep in somebody's lap at a wedding reception. Mm -hmm. And she started crying and it was just sweet and wonderful. And he knew I was nuts. So he gave me this crazy photo. Well, Flash forward to my vast network of everybody I met in Atlanta and my friend Jane Jackson, who nobody would know from Adam except that now, after selling her immensely successful photography store, her business, at a beautiful gallery, she's now Sir Elton John's full-time curator of photography. Oh, wow. She looks at this Yeah, she looks at this piece, and she knew it instantly and went, oh, my God. He gave you the published piece. It's like a $5,000 photo. And I'm like, you're I mean, I was already on cloud nine, but he just came in, was happy to meet us, 
wanted to play, wanted to be on the show. And then, you know, then I find that out. So that was like, you know, the icing on the cake. But flash forward beyond that, he and I had another connection, which was my love for Howard Finster, who's just a legendary self-taught artist. Howard even did the cover for one of Michael's albums and did the cover for uh, Little Creatures by Talking Heads. Oh, okay. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering what's going on because one year, the High Museum in Atlanta, they were nice enough to invite me to do Howard's 80th birthday. And so there's this gigantic reception afterwards. I didn't know what was going on, but I look at the crowd. It's like, you know, people are politely separating and it's like separating towards me. And I didn't know what's going on. I'm like, I thought it was some, so I was having some sort of an event. Maybe I had eaten bad cheese or something right out of a Spielberg movie. But then I look and everybody's like getting out of Michael Stipe's way. He trudges through 500 people to come say hello. And I really had a fun time on your show. I love Space Ghost, and this is my mother. I mean, this is a guy with more money than anyone imaginable at the time and could not have been more humble, could not have been more charming. So for me, that was just one of the penultimate moments of the show. That's really amazing. Getting, getting to meet him and hang. And, and, you know, the fact that you find out later what a great artist he was, and we, we shared the Howard Finster bond. Uh, it was just really a cool thing, you know. Still waters run deep. I mean, gotcha. he's a funny guy. Just got kind of <laughs> a terrific sense of, you know, he did, he, he did uh, Simpsons, and I can't tell you all the cartoon appearances he's made. But that was, yeah, that's always been like one of my famous, my favorite memories of the show. That scatting with Mark Salas was pretty good. <laughs> well, now, it, that is something I want to talk about was your love of art and folk art, really, uh, if you follow oh, yeah. Official and everything like that. What got you into, like, collecting all these different pieces and, you know, just having this really impressive collection? Thank you, thank you. Well, I mean, just a total sickness, but I had always loved pop and contemporary and abstract expressionist, and, you know, then I got into, like, the street guys like Herring and Basquiat, and then later you flash forward to, like, Banksy and the guys who are doing it now and just really, really unpredictable, crazy stuff. The fact they used to follow Herring through subways and the second he had tagged something, you know, 50 people were literally having a fist fight in the subway tunnel trying to grab like a Lord and Taylor ad that he had flip over and put one of his crowns or a baby with lines coming out of it. You know, they just followed him all night through the New York subway system. But the stuff that I loved got so expensive, even prints. Uh, we've got a Wesselman nude that took like my entire budget for one year just to buy this great Wesselman nude called Helen Nude. Um, James Rosenquist, and Mom's the one who nailed a Warhol one day. He went in a little gallery here in, in Florida, and she said, oh, my gosh, they got a Warhol. And at that point, everyone was kind of knocking his later stuff. Oh, that's the Double Brooklyn Bridge, that was like a commission he did for the 100th anniversary of the bridge. Like, who cares? And, you know, now for what we, I wish I had bought 10 of them because we got it for nothing. I mean, nothing compared to what Warhol goes for, as you would normally assume. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I think we got this thing for like $4,500. There were 250 of them in the edition. And now it's, it's like a you know a C class Mercedes hanging on the wall. 
but I'm happier with the art. But the funny thing, it was, it was literally precipitated by money and a lack thereof that led me to self-taught. An art director buddy in Atlanta turned around and said, uh, hey, uh, we're going to do something cool. And I'm like, oh, God, every time somebody said that to me, you know, I end up in an Amway seminar. <laughs> now at the gold level, you can afford to, you know, uh, pay for your house and your car. At the diamond level, you can buy your own Learjet. And it wasn't that. It was the only time anybody ever said that to me, and it was something good. We ended up two hours north of Atlanta in Somerville, Georgia. He took me to Finster's. Oh. And this is back when they had one of the houses on this little two-acre compound that he had raked out of swampland and built this giant wedding cake-shaped chapel on an old building he bought with an NEA grant. He had already been, mind you, already had a National Endowment for the Arts grant at that point. I just fell in love with the place. I fell in love with his work and him. He was just so funny and talented. But I looked, you know, I, I looked around and I told my mom, I said, you know, for what we're spending in a year, this self-taught stuff, nobody's even thinking about it. Well, of course, those days are over now. But Bill Tyler just went for 96000 And beyond that, a William Edmondson sculpture just went at Christie's last Friday. I think it was on the order of almost 800000 Oh wow! For a sculpture he had done of a boxer. Yeah. And these were all self-taught guys. You know, it's it's great that people go and they get the MFA and they get these cool experiences. But for my money, the fact that you could go to Podunk, sit in the bushes, you know, a psychiatrist friend of mine told me one time, he said, oh, by the way, we went to see Lonnie Holly, who's wonderful and brilliant. We went to see him and he said, oh, by the way, Lonnie just got shot by one of the neighbors. And I said, and we're going there? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I told him, I said, you went to Brown. You you got your PhD and your MD and all this. What the hell is wrong with you? We're going to go where people are opening fire? He's like, you got to see the art. And he was right. It was, you know, it was worth dodging buckshot or whatever to, to go and see this guy's art. And we saw it actually in the original location, which is like on, I always jokingly call it 29 left. Um, it, it was literally the airway at the Birmingham, uh, the landing strip at the Birmingham airport. Well, yeah, it was just fascinating because, you know, when I first found him at the end of the runway in Birmingham, right literally over the airport, you could see the gear lock over your head. These guys were like 70 feet above you as they're coming in on the glide path. Oh, wow. It was the noisiest thing I ever experienced, but it was just a wonderland. And sadly, that neighborhood got bought out. The airport got expanded. But the Southern, I think it was the Southern Poverty Law Center, got in it and, and actually got him a fair price for oh. his trouble to move. That's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was still stuff that got turned over. Someday, you know, there's going to be an archaeological dig at the end of the runway, <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to turn up all these great heads and stuff in sandstone and all these sculptures, but it was just surreal. It was like something out of Twin Peaks. You're just in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, here's here's a guy with barely electricity in the house who's just doing genius work in a yard at the end of a landing strip. Crazy. <laughs> but I, I just fell in love. I fell in love with the genre. I fell in love with the brilliance of these guys. Sadly, Thornton Dial just passed. I never, I never was able to buy one of his. I got close once, 
but he was 18,000 in like 1990. But yeah, I'm hooked. I'm addicted. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to start yeah. our wrapping up. So our sort of inside the voice actor studio, the same questions we ask everybody. Uh, Uh-oh. What is one thing you... Listen? You're going to have your head tip over and if, if you get to heaven and it exists, what do you hope God will say to you? Oh, I you very good lifting. <laughs> that was an amazing Lipton, actually. That was... Oh, spunk. thanks. Yeah, I loved it. So what is the one thing you... What do they call that? That's like that French thing that uh, the the questionnaire. <laughs> if heaven exists, when you get to heaven... What do you hope God would say to you? Oh, and then the, what is your, you, what word you, turns you on? You're done with them fish sticks? You're done with them fish sticks? That, that would be my answer for that one. <sighs> so what is one thing you hate about voice acting? One thing I hate about voice acting, thrift. You know, when, when, you, get, when you get that answer, really? It costs that? <laughs> those, those are the ones that drive you bonkers. Really? Really? Yeah, that, that's that's the favorite thing you hear. And then, you know, luckily, if the agent is awake and taking his meds, then they explain, well, he's, he's got experience, though. It'll turn out. It'll be okay. You'll like what you get, really. I gotcha. Yeah, the thrift. The thrift of the business can be very frustrating. Now, what is one thing you love about it? You know, you've been in the industry for 42 years. What is one thing that always keeps gripping you and pulling you back in? Oh, so guys like Seth Green. Guys like Seth Green, you know, when, when you get, seriously, you get a call out of the blue and the agent, this is how much my agent hates me. The animation agent in L.A. is always perplexed. And hand to God, she'll go, you're the only person he'll do this for. Seth Green's going to book a room and you just go to Tampa and record. He doesn't do that for anyone but you. And I'm like, well, try not to have an aneurysm, but. We have fun when we work together. And the last time he said to me, he's honestly in the middle of the session, he goes, when are you going to move out here? I'm like, I can't. You know, mom, mom, you know, likes to get up on the roof and, you know, do calisthenics. And, and you know, it, it's bad when she does that. So I have to, I have to be here to, to make sure mom behaves herself. <laughs> but Seth, guys like Seth Green, you know, experiences like that. Believe me, it's not doing pool shocker for a large warehouse chain. It's not doing those things where you walk by the kiosk and the little motion thing goes up and it's go. I'll bet your pool's ripe with bacteria. <laughs> Why not try a new improved torrent? It kills the bacteria without blinding your family. I gotcha. And then that's not what keeps you coming back. <laughs> Seth Green, that keeps you coming back. Cartoon Network keeps you coming back because it's always something odd and fun and crazy very awesome now what would be your advice to someone that's getting into voice acting that's aspiring to you know be like you to be like your fellow actors oh my, my here this is my best advice so you want you want to go into voiceovers you're in college change majors now <laughs> organic chemistry physiology anatomy life science Go, excel in pre-med, excel in your studies, become a doctor, pick a specialty, do postgraduate work for like the next 10 or 15 years, get rich, retire, and forget voiceovers. Did I mention to buy a picture at lowcountry.com? 
<laughs> yeah, because you'll be like legendary in some facets of the business, and you'll be sitting there at the end of the day going, you think we have enough to get the rice a <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's my advice to voiceover kids uh, who, who want to pursue this track. Uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, endocrinology is big. Uh, gastroenterology is big and dermatology if, if you can stand you know dealing with with the stuff that can pop up on a human body really the best thing for my money is radiology i would have done that because you don't have to touch anyone oh, and you don't have to you know repave a parking lot yeah. with some dude's skin you just look and go oh, anderson yeah, broke that fourth rib I got you. And then finally, you know, yeah. is there anything you'd like to promote or talk about or just get out there? Any upcoming projects or anything? Or well, the photos? I Dragon Con. I, well, I do Dragon Con every year in Atlanta. Love to meet the fans. That's that's one I can almost guarantee that I do every year. And uh, Tampa Comic Con is fantastic, too. I'll probably be at that one this year. But uh, generally speaking, my point of contact is always uh, Facebook, George Lowe Official. Uh, if you want to poke around, look at the uh, website, listen to the demos. That's Low Country, L-O-W-E, country.com. And uh, we're trying, we're trying to get hip with Twitter, but I got to tell you, it's, you know, it's giving me a headache. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to tweet and do what I'm supposed to, but uh, you know, the the IT hipster kid who helps me is just like, no, that's great. You shot a picture of a duck. That's great. People like ducks. I gotcha. Well, thank you so much, sir, for coming on. Hey, uh, thank you. I'm sorry I tried to, to do your, your car commercial dealership there. Uh, to sell uh, me a truck? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I feel like a boob for that now. But uh, that's, I mean, that's all I've got for you guys. Uh, thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Hey, of course. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone, and we hope to have you back next time. Good night, everyone. Now, Aiden, Aiden, remember, don't forget to send me a picture of the George Lowe Lounge. Of course. I was going to do that as soon as we got this up.